0: And uh, eternity, an amazing thing, a uh, wonderful thing to think about and ponder if you're part of the family of God, a horrible thing to ponder and consider if you're not, because there is an eternal lake of fire as well. And uh, it's amazing grace that saves It's not our works that save us, but uh, the wonderful grace of God. Jesus Christ offers salvation as a free gift to all who will believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, uh, what, a, what a great thing to be able to sing about and know. And uh, what, a, what a fearful thing for those who are not part of the family of God. There is no hope unless they trust Jesus Christ. And uh, may we be quick to share that message with those around us uh, this Christmas, taking advantage of opportunities that we have and special services and other things. To just let folks know there is amazing grace that's available. And uh, they, it can be had if they're, they're willing to hear and, and, uh, and listen to what God says in His Word. I am glad you're here today, and I'm glad to be able to open the Word of God and preach it to you. Mark chapter 4 is where we're going to look today, Mark chapter 4. Surprise, surprise, right? You had no idea we'd be in the book of Mark today. Uh, but we're going to continue our study, and we are at the beginning of chapter 4, and there's some great lessons to be learned From that passage, we're going to dismiss our young people right now. The Duncans are working with them today again. So, young people, you can head on out to the upper room as the Duncans head with you. And great opportunity for you. Have you ever heard of Barry College? Say, I never heard of Barry College. All right, maybe you have. Berry College is a private liberal arts college. It's located in Mount Berry, or at least in the Mount Berry community, adjacent to Rome, Georgia. It's an accredited college, uh, the Southern Association of Colleges and Schools, I learned from checking it out. Barry College was founded, believe this or not, on values based on Chris, Christian principles. It was founded in 1902 by a lady by the name of Martha Barry. Thank you very much. The Berry Campus consists of more than 27,000 acres of land. You may think that's, that's, that's huge. That is unbelievably large. In fact, it is the largest, uh, contigu- I knew I was going to have trouble saying that word, contiguous, contigu- yeah, whatever, you know that word we're trying to say, uh, college campus in the world. Uh, they have designated portions uh, open for the, to the public for hiking, cycling, cycling, horseback riding, and other outdoor activities. So you want to go see what it's like. But uh, I'm not here to give you an advertisement for the college at all. Uh, but I bring it up because um, it's not the college I want to speak about, but the lady who founded it. Martha Berry was a lady with a vision who wanted to help children that came, to her, uh, that, uh, that came from very poor families. Uh, she was concerned about them, I think pri- probably because she would travel around with her father to visit a number of poor, and her father had a heart for those who just didn't have enough uh, to provide. And so she uh, grew a burden, I think, through those visits that she made with him, of these pe- of these people that had great need to have them educated, to provide education for them for, for free. Now, her father was a successful businessman, but they tell us she didn't have the means to provide for both schooling, and she wanted to house them and provide books and a building, but she had a dream of doing this and meeting the needs of these poor people. So uh, she went to a guy by the name of Henry Ford. You ever hear that name before? Yeah, vehicle you don't want to have. Oh, I just got myself in trouble there, all right. Uh, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm teasing. If you want to have one, fine, all right. Uh, but anyway, uh, Henry Ford, she went to ask him for a donation to try to help as she was getting this started and off the ground. Mr. Ford reached into his pocket. He gave Martha Berry a dime. I'm not kidding. Now, most people would have been insulted, maybe even highly offended. And the reason why is because he was a multi-millionaire. And all he did was give this lady a dime. But rather than be offended, she was undeterred. She took that dime, she went to a store, and she bought seeds, a packet of seeds. She planted a garden with those seeds. She raised the crop. She sold it. And with the money that came from that, she bought more seeds and planted again. After three or four harvests, she had enough money to purchase or get a hold of an old building that she could use for the children. So she went back to Mr. Ford. She handed him the dime and she said, I want you to know what your dime has done. And she told him about how she got seeds and she planted those seeds and she was able to buy a building. and was going to continue with the work. Well, Mr. Ford was so impressed with her and with what she did. He donated a million dollars to the Berry School. And uh, it's no wonder that if you go to the Berry College campus, you'll find that there is a building dedicated to and named the Ford Building. Because, actually, he ended up giving millions to Mrs. Berry as she had this heart to reach young people who didn't have the money and train them. Now, our message this morning isn't about investing. It's not about money. But it's really about what Mary, uh, Martha Berry did. It illustrates a point that we're going to find in, in Mark chapter 4. Because in Mark chapter 4, God tells us to do something with what we have. At least I hope you'll see that by the end of our time together. So follow along as I read, beginning in verse 1. The Bible says, And he began to teach... Uh, by the seas, uh, again, to teach by the seaside. I'm sorry, I missed the word again, but I shouldn't because the word again is found numerous times in the book of Mark. It seems like he just says again and again and again and again, and he does. All right, so he began again to teach by the seaside and there was gathered unto him a great multitude so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land and he taught them many things by parables and said unto them in his doctrine, Hearken. Behold, there went out a sower to sow. And it came to pass as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. And some fell on stony ground, where it had not, not, not much earth, and immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit." And other fell on good ground, and did yield fruit that sprung, sprang up and increased, and brought forth some thirty, and some sixty, and some an hundred. And he said unto them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Mark take time, makes, takes time at the beginning of this chapter to share with us a story that Jesus shared. He tells us a little bit more than he has been doing in these first three chapters, because in the first three chapters, it's kind of been Mark running through the life of Jesus Christ. He goes to event after event after event, but in Mark chapter 4, he stops, and he tells us two stories, powerful stories. And in the middle of that, he actually shares another truth as well that Jesus uh, taught, actually one he was involved in, and then one that he taught. And so today we have opportunity to look at this teaching of Jesus Christ, one of the first teachings, or at least the first one that Mark makes reference to. And it has a great lesson for us if we will learn what God has in Mark chapter 4. Let's pray. Father, please open our eyes, our minds, our hearts to understand the importance of taking what we've been given and using it for the glory of God. And I pray that you would uh, give us understanding today. And I pray that you would touch our hearts with the very, very important message that Mark uh, shared with us. Uh, a message that Jesus shared with the people many times. Uh, at least seems to indicate from scripture a lesson that is so important for our lives even today. And so I pray that you touch our hearts with the truth of it. And I ask you to work in, in the hearts and lives of all and help everyone in this room to understand it applies to them. There's something for them in this passage to think about. And we pray that you'd use these things for your glory. And we ask these things in Jesus name. Amen. I only read part of the story and I only read actually the story that Jesus told right at the beginning of this chapter. Jesus is meeting with the people. I always think it's interesting and I'm intrigued with the fact that Jesus, when he taught, many times, at least it seemed like, he was sitting down. Wasn't, didn't do what preachers do today. He's sitting in a boat and he's talking to people, multitudes of people, thousands of people. He must have really had an amazing voice. And I knew that uh, they were able to project. I know that the water and everything else provided kind of like an amphitheater type situation where people could hear but it's an amazing thing to think that Jesus sat down and he taught these stories, as he did many times, parables that we find in, in the Bible. Mark took time to record this one, and no—and and uh, it's clear from the passage the reason why. Because it, it really is a vitally important message. And it's an important message, and it was an important message for the people of that day, but it's also a very important message for us today. Because the truth of the matter is what Jesus taught about is still happening today and still taking place, and we 're going to find that in the rest of the story that 's found starting or in verse ten and on through verse twenty five as Jesus explains a little bit about what 's going on. But before we get there, let me share with you first of all, in the first uh, nine verses or so, the exposition or the first thirteen verses, this story that Jesus tells us as he begins to talk about a sower. Uh, who went out to sow, and he sowed, and as he sowed the seed. Some fell by the wayside, and and fowls of the air came. And as he starts to tell the story, the story, we're told, is given in the form of a parable. Now, why did Jesus speak in parables? I think we should answer that question because it tells us in verse 2, he taught them many things by parables. It tells us a little bit later in verse 34 of this chapter, without a parable spake he not unto them, and when they were alone, he expounded all things to his disciples. Say, why did Jesus do that? What was the importance of a parable? Why would Jesus always use stories like this that, uh, that didn't necessarily, uh, necessarily have a specific message that we could maybe say unless we're told exactly what it means? Why would Jesus speak in parables? Well, he spoke in parables because the truth he was sharing was not for everyone. Now, this doesn't mean that Jesus didn't want people to hear. But look, if you would, at verses 11 and 12. Because when he was alone, in verse 10, it says, they that were about him with the twelve asked of him the parable. Lord, what is this parable about? So after he tells the story, even his followers are kind of like, oh, good story. Wow, wonderful. I understand farming. So, wow, what does that mean for me? Big deal. Well, Jesus explains, verse 11, he says, unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables, that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. (laughs) You may think, well, that's rather strange. Did Jesus not want people to know truth? Why did Jesus speak in parables if there was only certain people that were supposed to understand? There's a reason why, and actually the parable explains that. In fact, this parable kind of lays out the groundwork for all the parables and why the parables exist and why they were given. Because it explains the very reason why. Jesus spoke in parables, not because he didn't want people to understand, he wanted everyone to understand. In fact, we're going to see that in this very passage a little bit later on. The reason Jesus spoke in parables is because those who weren't concerned or weren't interested in truth wouldn't get it. Those who were interested in the truth, those who were interested in seeking and finding and spending the time to learn, would. You see, the parables were, uh, if you would say, purposely obscuring, at least making a, a little bit unclear So that those who had no desire wouldn't learn truth, but those who did would. And they would grow and they would move along and they would make progress in their Christian life. So Jesus Christ taught these lessons and spent this time in this passage sharing this parable because he wanted people to understand truth, but only those who were really seeking only those who were willing to, who had the kind of heart for it. Only those who really had a desire to learn the truth. Not those who were sitting there and were critics. Not those who were sitting there saying, yeah, I don't believe anything this guy says. No, Jesus wanted those who truly were interested in knowing the truth to know the truth. So he spoke in parables. And this parable, the exposition, this passage here in verses 1 through, one through 9 is, uh, is about uh, various types of soil. In this parable, Jesus speaks of a sower sowing seed. Now, it's not a message about a sower or seed. Ultimately, it's about soil. And he presents four different kinds of soil. And that is going to be the lesson. Now, we don't know that. When Jesus started, and this is, again, one of the first parables, at least we have recorded, and, and it seems like it was one that was given early on, it was one that no one would know exactly the reason. Now, if you had any kind of idea of farming and all the people would have in Jerusalem and around Jer- Jerusalem and Galilee where he was traveling, then you would understand the fact that soil, well, if, if seed falls on it and it's good soil, it's going to bring forth. And if it's bad soil, hey, look, even I know that and I'm a, I'm a city boy, you know, I mean, anyone with half a brain understands that the better the soil, the more productive the seed is going to be. And if it's bad soil, it's not going to bring forth at all. And, uh, and so it's about various types of soil. Now, uh, it, th- where the seed falls determines the results. In the parable, the important point is about the soil. Now, there has to be a sower, there has to be seed, <laughs> or, or the story doesn't happen. We understand that. But without the right kind of soil, the seed doesn't do what it's supposed to do. And so the lesson to be learned is in regard to the soil, whatever or whoever that happens to be. You say, well, what is that? Well, I'm glad you asked. And you already know the rest of the story, don't you? Because you've read the rest of the passage. But let me share with you Jesus' explanation. So the exposition was Jesus as he gets up and he shares in parables so that those who have an earnest desire to learn, might understand important truth. And he uses a story that they all would understand in life that they can relate to spiritual things. And so he explains then in verses 14 to 20. Because in verses 10 to 13, they asked him and he said, I want you to know. And he said, he said this in verse 13. He said unto them, know ye not this parable? And how then will you know all parables? If if you don't even understand this one, he said, this is so basic. This is so simple. This is so straightforward. If you don't understand this one, you're not going to understand any of them. Because I'm going to get into some deep stuff. He taught some very deep stuff in parables. I'm going to share some things that maybe will be very hard to grasp in life. But he said, this one, man, this one's simple. I don't know about you, but I think at that point I would have been saying, wow, am I really that dumb? You know, why don't I get it? All right, Jesus wasn't making fun of them. He was just saying, look, this is very basic. It's very simple. And ultimately, he's saying this is very important. So here's the truth. The sower soweth the word. So this is the explanation. He begins with the sower. The disciples asked. Jesus wanted them to understand the truth. So he says, hey, look, there's a sower. He went out to sow. Who is the sower? No, you can't tell me who's the sower because Jesus Christ didn't tell us. And I think there's a good reason why. Now, those who study this passage tell us that it was Jesus. No, I think Jesus purposely didn't tell us who the sower was because if our Lord said he was the sower, you know what we would say? Well, that parable applied to people in that day. It doesn't apply to us because Jesus isn't around anymore. But Jesus didn't tell us who the sower is so that no one could say, even in our day today, this doesn't apply to me. You know why? Because people still sow. Because the seed is the word of God. So when Jesus tells the story, when he tells this parable, he's not saying, I am the sower. He's not saying, I want you to know that I am the one who's putting forth the seed and people aren't hearing He's saying, no. He said, look, there are sowers, there are going to be sowers, there have been sowers, there were sowers in the Old Testament, there are sowers in the New Testament, there are sowers today in our New Testament age as well. There are people who take the word of God and spread the word of God out and they preach it. Whether it's someone who gets up on a Sunday morning and preaches a message or a Sunday school teacher in a Sunday school class, or whether it's you sharing the gospel with someone who needs to be saved and share with them from the Bible how they can know they have eternal life. Anyone who sows the word of God is included in this passage. And so there is a sower. And then we have, and we're told by Jesus Christ that there is seed. And he says, the sower soweth the word. The seed is the word of God. So the soil is the same today, uh, or the soil uh, is the the important part, but the sower is the same today as it was in that day. The seed is the same as it was in that day. Anyone who who shares the word of God and spreads the word of God would be the sower and the seed even in our day to day. Seed is the word of God. Now we know this. Seed's effective. It is. And here's the thing. A sower doesn't have to be talented. Isn't that a great thing to know? You don't have have to have great ability. All you need to do is sow the word because the word, the seed, is the powerful thing in our story. It will do a work in the hearts and lives of those upon whom it falls. So we have an explanation, the sower, we have the seed, the word of God. Jesus didn't spend time with that because he kind of like expected them to understand that very truth. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. The word of God makes a difference in lives. It never returns void. The word of God is a powerful thing. It is uh, more powerful than anything that we know in this world. The seed is a powerful thing. So we have a sower and we have seed. But that isn't the main story. In fact, he's done it in verse 1 saying that. The rest of this is about the soil. And it's interesting to me that a lot of people who write about this passage talk about the sower and they talk about the seed. And actually, I look back at messages and I preach the message on the sower and the seed. But that isn't the message. Because Jesus, in his explanation, took one verse, one verse, one measly verse, and said, the sower sows the seed, and then he goes on. So what do you think is the main point? What do you think is the important point? It's all about the, the effects of the seed on soil. So, pastor, what is the soil? Ah, I'm glad you asked that question. It's a good question to ask, and it's an important question because it's, uh, it's going to be talked about here in this passage. Now, most who write on this and who talk about the soil and actually get there and spend a little bit of time talking about the soil say that the soil is the heart of man. And quite honestly, we can't deny that. Look, if you would, let me go ahead and read these verses so we can kind of have in mind what Jesus did and when he explained. uh, Verse 14, the sower soweth the word, and these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground. When they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And have no root in themselves, and so endure for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word. And the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word, and receive it, and bring forth fruit. Some thirtyfold, some sixty. And some in hundred. And in this very simple explanation, Jesus Christ takes time to talk about that soil and says how important it truly is. Now, I said this, what is the soil? Most will say that is the heart, and we can't deny that. And the reason why is you look at verse 15, and it's kind of straightforward, isn't it? These are they by the wayside where the word is sown, but when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown. In their hearts, so no doubt, Jesus is talking about the heart of men. No doubt about it. We can't deny that. But I will say this: that is the only time He mentions the heart. The only time. But every time He talks about the soil, He talks about hearing. Every time. Uh, it says, "It says when they have heard." In verse 15, Satan cometh immediately. Uh, These are they likewise which are sown on stony stony ground, verse 16, who when they have heard the word. Uh, In verse 18, these are they which are sown among thorns such as hear the word. And so uh, we find over and over in this passage the importance of and the message of hearing. Look if you would at verse 20, and these are they which are sown on good ground such as hear the word. So only one time does he say, hey, this is talking about the heart. Now, what you hear affects the heart, no doubt about it. But what he is dealing with here is about hearing. So the soil is not the heart of men necessarily, but it's the soil. It it is the, I'm sorry, the hearing that someone gives to it. This is the way someone listens. How you hear is the message of this text. And Jesus indicates that you determine that. You determine how you hear. Some, something else just worth mentioning, sideline here. There are, I believe, eight times the statement, he that hath ears to hear is found in the Gospels. Three times, I believe, in this passage alone. The other times, every time that Jesus said that statement, it was stating something that is very important that people needed to hear and people needed to understand. This message, I tell you, the reason why Mark brought it out is because it was one of the key messages and one of the most important messages Jesus preached. Not because his other messages were unimportant. Everyone was because they were all the word of God. But this message was considered to be vitally important. And so he said, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Look in verse 9, you see that statement at the end. If you would, you see in verse 23, if any man hath ears to hear, let him hear. And he is still preaching on the subject and dealing with that. Uh, And then you see in verse 24, and he said unto them, take heed what ye hear. So this is a message on hearing. Soil is all about how you hear. It's how you listen. I was going back and I was thinking, you know, I preached on something like that not too long ago. And actually it was 2018 and we looked in the book of Luke because there are three times that this parable is shared. And in the book of Luke, it's very close to this one as the, the book of Matthew as well. Three different times, three different writers tell us this story because it is an important story about hearing. The four types of soil indicate four ways people hear the word of God. The first one in verse 15 is about people who are not open to the Word of God. They're not willing to learn. They don't want to know. And so when they hear, because they do hear, everyone's got ears, okay? At least the idea, the idea of this. Everyone has ears, but the question is how you're hearing. And the first group of people are rejecting the Word of God. They don't want anything to do with it. They do not want what is being shared. They aren't willing to hear it. What we find about them is that Satan is allowed to deal with them when they have this kind of attitude. By the way, a lot of guys who write about this passage also do something else. They spend a bunch of time debating which one of these four are, 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 and how many of these four are saved or not. That isn't the lesson. That isn't the focus. That isn't the purpose. The purpose is to say that you have one of these four types of soil when the word of God is preached. And how you hear Determines the result. Now, what we do find in verse 15, and this is why when they get into this debate, they say, well, the first one is definitely unsaved, is that Satan is given the opportunity, or at least it seems to indicate that Satan is given the opportunity to do something about that. Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts The word immediately is found a couple times in the story, by the way, and it's an important one because it's interesting to note that Satan understands the power of the word of God. He understands the power of the seed that is sown, and if it's left, it'll have an impact upon people, even those who are hardened. And so in this parable, Jesus said, you know, Satan comes, and he understands the power of the word of God. And sadly, a lot of people don't understand the power of the word of God. A lot of Christians don't understand what Satan does about it is that it'll change your life if you let it. If you hear, it'll change your life. If you don't, it won't. The decision is yours. But when the word is preached, Satan, understanding the power of the word of God, immediately comes, he snatches away that word because, hey, he doesn't want to have to change a life. That's the first type of soil that is found in this passage. Now, there are other kinds of soil. In verses 16 and 17, there are people who readily hear the word of God and it begins to do a work in their heart. These are they likewise, which are sown on stony ground in verse 16. Who, when they have heard the word of God, heard the word immediately, there we go, immediately again, receive it with gladness. Hey, this is good stuff. Wow, that's great preaching. I need that. That, There's something good in that for me. And that is the response of this type of ear. It's not someone who said, don't want it. It's someone who's open to the truth of God's word and they hear the truth. And it would begin to produce, or at least it would because that's what's going to happen. But these people have no self-discipline. And the word isn't vital to them. So when the going gets tough, well, they're immediately offended. I I want to say they're easily offended. The kind of person that... um, hey, look, I, I like this as long as it doesn't cost me anything. Didn't we hear that from Mark chapter 3? I, I I want to live for God. I want to do the will of God as long as it doesn't cost me anything. You know, as long as there's no, uh, there's no sacrifice involved in my part, as long as it's not too hard, then we're okay with this. It's good. Good preaching. Yeah, I like that. As long as it doesn't mean that I have to do anything about it when it, things get tough. But when the going gets tough, according to the, Jesus Christ, These people don't follow through. They're immediately offended and they quit. The third here we see is much like the second in that they hear and they receive it and it it begins to bring forth as the word of God always does. These are they that are sown among thorns, verse 18 says, such as hear the word. These people hear it and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things entering in choke the word and it becometh unfruitful. It doesn't bear fruit here with this people it's not a lack of discipline it's not even unwillingness to pay the price in this soil but you know what it is listen to me it's a love for something else it's no wonder Jesus said love not the world neither the things that are in the world if any man love the world the love of the father is not in him you know why because those things take you away from the word of God that's what Jesus said in this parable he said, there are some people who hear the word of God and they start to do the things that they're supposed to do. And you know what? Even when persecution comes, they're doing some of those things. But, but there's something else in their life that's more important than church. More important than Bible reading. Oh, and Jesus didn't say what it was. He talked about a number of different things. Money. Money. Some people love their job more than they love God. Some people love money more than they love God. Some people love their lusts. And, and lusts, by the way, we just think of, of sensual things, but lusts are any strong desires that take precedence over what the Word of God says. He says, any of those things that draw your heart away from the truth and from the Word of God and what God expects of you, those things will make you unfruitful, it'll keep you from producing. And so the things of this world and money and, and these lusts are so powerful and they're so important that the word of God gets chokes, choked and dies rather than bring ye forth. The final hearers, verse, uh, let's see, verse 20, are they that are sown on good ground. They hear the word, they receive it. They don't let things get away in the way of obedience. More important to them because they understand what Jesus taught, that, the, that uh, you know, the word of God is more important than bread. When the word of God is that important to their life, they're willing to pay the price of obedience because there's always a price. And they follow that which is true and they lay aside the, the pursuits of money and things and their pleasures and everything else and they do what this seed tells them to do. It brings forth. It brings forth every time. And that, my friends, is the lesson. And the lesson wasn't who's saved and who's not. The lesson is, what kind of hearer are you? That's the message. I have for the third point, the elucidation. Are you not impressed with that word? I actually had application. But elucidation is fitting because the word elucidate means to make clear or clarify. But that's not following alliteration. So, elucidation... Fits with alliteration. Well, it even rhymes with it, okay? Uh, and so, uh, in verses 21 through 25, Jesus elucidates. He makes it clear. He wants us to understand what this is all about. So, think about it, and let me share a couple of things uh, th- that make this passage clear. First of all, God has given seed, and he wants it to bring forth fruit. You say, where do we find? That. Verse 21, and he said unto them, is a candle brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed and not to be set on a candlestick? For there is nothing hid which shall not be manifested, neither anything kept secret, but that it should come abroad. In those two verses, Jesus was saying this. You know what? He said, I came because I wanted to take a candle and I wanted to put it out and I want everyone to see the light of the word of God. I want everyone to know what the seed says. I want it to have an impact. You don't take out a candle I mean, if we didn't have any electricity this morning and we didn't have windows, you know, we wouldn't take a candle and then put a bucket over it. We would take candles out and we'd put it up in front so everyone could see the wonderful guy preaching up front okay, you'd probably want the candles back there and you were hoping the light wouldn't come on the platform. I understand that, all right? But when you get a candle, the whole idea is that you let it shine. And Jesus said that very fact. He says, look, a candle isn't brought to be put under a bush or under a bed. It's to be set on a candlestick. And he said, look, my purpose in preaching parables, my purpose in ministry, my purpose in life is this, to sow the seed, to let people know the truth of the word of God. That is my goal. I want everyone to know the truth. That is God's desire." and that is his focus and that is desire. In fact, we know that's true because he said in verse 23, if any man have ears to hear, let him hear. Look, I'm I'm proclaiming the word. I got this candle before you folks and I'm just proclaiming and let everyone know the truth. If you want it, you can have it. That was Jesus' teaching. And that is how he made this message clear. He said, so look, the sower... It happens to be me in this case because I'm sowing the seed of the word of God. And like a light, I'm trying to make that manifest. I want everyone to hear the message. I will give my life. I will give my time. I will give everything that I have. And it's no wonder Jesus already expressed that and he's shown that by his life. Everywhere he went, you know what he did? He went and he sowed the seed of the word of God. He was preaching the word of God everywhere to everyone. He wasn't just going about healing people and hoping that they get the message. Jesus was preaching and teaching. And he did some healing on the side that, that authenticated the fact that he was truly the son of God. And this light was going forth, and it was going forth everywhere. And that was his desire, and that's what this message is about. Look, the seed is being sown. It's being sown everywhere. I want everyone to hear the truth, but not everyone will. And not everyone's going to respond in the right way. Because it depends on the soil and who hears. But the message is God has given the seed and he is hungry for fruit. I want everyone to benefit. I want everyone in the world to hear the truth. That was Jesus' teaching. And Jesus then, number two in clarifying this, calls upon men again to hear. He said that in verse 9, didn't he? He said it three times in this passage. Let him that hath ears to hear. Let him hear. Listen, God calls upon all men. All men have ears. You know, well, we you, you understand what we're talking about. All men have, or most men have the ability to hear. But sometimes people have the ability to hear, but they don't apply themselves to it. Um, wives sometimes speak of their husbands having selective hearing. Now, being a husband, I don't understand that statement. Well, actually, I do. Um, but, you know, sometimes you... you uh, you hear, but you don't hear? Now, now I know men, you, none of us understand that one because, obviously, they just didn't tell us. Okay, I'm getting myself, <laughs> getting myself in trouble. They, they probably have. Uh, the problem is that we didn't hear. Um, I've told you this story before, but I, it always comes to mind when it's someone that didn't hear. You know, teenagers are notorious for that. Like when their parents are giving them instructions as they're getting ready to leave the house. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like okay, let's get through this, or whatever. One of the teenagers coming into youth activity with his brothers and uh, brother and sister, I think it was, I think it was three of them. Uh, they were coming into to church, and as they were leaving the house, you know, mom and dad went through the litany of things because this young man was driving. He had just gotten his license a short time before that, and so one of the things was, don't leave the keys. And the ignition in the car. So guess what happened when they got, and it was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, guess what happened when he got to church? That's right. I mean, just just got to church. They all got out of the car, closed the door, and he had the keys. At least he knew where they were. In the ignition. Pastor, you got to help me get in the car. My parents are going to kill me. <laughs> uh, because he didn't hear, he's in. Yeah, he could have repeated what his parents told him, but he didn't hear because he didn't do anything with it. And when he got there, ended up locking the car, the keys, and the, locking the cars in the key. Yep. And um, and he got in trouble because he didn't listen. And he's kind of a description of those who have ears to hear, but they're not hearing. Maybe a husband who has selective hearing is is, is an example of someone who has ears to hear, but they're not hearing. Whether it's a teen or adult or a child, the issue with God's word is never an issue of the seed. It's never an issue of the sower. It's an issue with the hearer. It is. Every time. You say, well, he is boring. Maybe. Well, he speaks above my head. Maybe. But the Word of God is plain enough and simple enough, like a light, that if you don't get anything, it's your fault. And that is the message of this passage. That's the message of this parable. See, you decide what happens with the word of God in your life. No one can make you. No one can change your mind about it. You have to make the decision of how you're going to hear. And the decision you make determines what the seed brings forth. Or if it doesn't, God has given the seed as he elucidates here and he is hungry for fruit and he calls upon everyone to hear. And he reminds us that you determine what you hear. Look at what it says in verse 24. See, he hasn't stopped yet. And he said unto them, take heed what you hear. There we have again, okay? Okay. Why? With what measure ye meet it shall be measured to you, and unto you the hear shall more be given, for he that hath to him shall be given, and he that hath not from him shall be taken even that which he hath. God reminds us that you determine what you hear. Look, the teenager who locked the keys in the car was wrong because he had the ability to hear, but he chose not to hear. not really to hear. Because if he had really heard, if that seed, we're not talking about the word of God here, but if that seed was sown on a heart that was hearing, really hearing, because this is the passage and this is the lesson Jesus is teaching, then it would have brought forth a kid who said, the key's in the ignition, I got to make sure I take that and put it in my pocket because my parents told me. And he would have saved himself from heartache. He would have brought forth, if you would, fruit. Look, you determine what you hear. You can listen intently, take the truth and change, or you can fill up space at church and leave here the same person as you came in. It's true. You can read your Bible tomorrow morning, close it, go on your way, do nothing with what was was spoken in the word, and it all depends on how you hear the preacher told a story about how he got a phone. This is in the day when the, you could actually, you know, get phones for your house? I know, you don't even know what those are anymore. But he said this, when we were first married, Celeste and I got a postcard in the mail. It informed us we had won a $79.99 phone. But in order to get it, we had to take a tour of a vacation resort. <laughs> You've gotten those before, haven't you? All right, we drove over to Columbus, Ohio, and met our guide. She got in our car, and she took us around the site. We stopped at one location. She pulled out her notebook, and in her notebook, she showed us a picture of a densely crowded city swimming pool. And she said, if you have a vacation home here, you won't have, you'll have this beautiful lake all to yourself. She pointed to a mud hole behind a dammed creek. And the preacher said, I asked, But if you sell all these sites, won't this lake be just as crowded as the city pool? And she said, not everyone comes every week. You'll have it all to yourself. And he said, you mean I'll invest a fortune in a home here and won't have time to come every week? And she began getting perturbed. Our daughter, Rebecca, was around two and having a rotten day and she was screaming her head off and the guide turned to Celeste at a certain point and said curtly, can't you shut her up? Well, that made me angry. And so I started to raise objection after objection after objection and she finally opened her notebook and said, there's a reason people miss out on sterling investment opportunities and she wrote across the page, closed-minded. He said, I felt like writing obnoxious. In a cold silence, she drove us back to the office. She gave us our seventy-nine ninety-nine phone. She said, I wouldn't have paid eight bucks for it. One week later, it broke. In the story, we find a man, this preacher, wisely so in this case, who was not hearing. You know, he, he was closed-minded. He wasn't willing to listen. And that was wise. Sale person thought he was missing a golden opportunity. Well, he wasn't. It was smart for him to have ears that did not hear in that situation, but I'll tell you something it's foolish when a person hears the word and does the same thing. They're closed minded. Are you starting to see the importance of this passage? Because the truth is whether the word has its effect in your life or not. It's not dependent upon the sower being a great speaker. It's not dependent upon the seed being effective because the seed is effective. Can't change that. It all depends on how you listen. And what you do. And verses 24 and 25 are powerful. In fact, they seem to really drive home this point. The, listen to this truth. The measure of your hearing determines the measure of your learning. The measure of your hearing determines the measure of your learning. Okay, here's Jane. This is like just a, a situation not related to the Bible, but she's been talking with her friend about losing weight. And her friend tells her about a great program she followed, and she lost—I don't know—60 pounds, lost 300 pounds. Who cares? Doesn't matter. So Jane is—is is, you know she thinks, wow, okay. She gets online, she checks out the program, she reads all the testimonials, um, and and about how they lost various amounts, and she's sold on the product. She she uh, buys into the program, and the first few weeks are great. You know, she loses five pounds each week, and she feels great, and everything's going well, but. Then in a moment of temptation, about three or four weeks in, she goes off the diet. Well, it's a holiday. Or, well, you know, I'm in this, I, I, I'm, I, I'm meeting with someone important and I don't want to look like a fool not getting a dessert, so I'm just going to do it this one time. And one time leads to another time, and another time leads to another time, and what was five pounds a week goes down to two pounds, and then goes down to nothing, and then it goes back to, oh, wow, look at those numbers on the scale. Now, what's her assessment of the program? Ah, it didn't work for me. Now, is that true? Now, a fact is, we're talking about a diet. Some work for some, and some don't work, even if you follow them. Perfectly, because we're all different people. Bodies respond differently to things. So don't tell someone that this is the only diet to go. Just don't do that. Okay? It doesn't always work for everyone. I understand that. But you know what some could say? You get out of it what you put into it. And that's what Jesus said in these verses. No one, no one ever said, and, and see, this is where the amens will come. in. No one ever said I was a great, great preacher. Okay, there. You, okay, just laughter. Either that or amens. I, I figured it would be one or the other. Okay, no one ever said I was a great preacher. But you do hear the word here. The question is, what difference has it made? Say, well, if you're a more interesting pastor or if you present it a little bit better, maybe so. And, and there is a responsibility that I have to do that. And to make it interesting, do what I can to help you understand and clarify. But ultimately, what happens with the word is what you determine and what you allow it to do. That was the message of Jesus Christ. Jesus was the best teacher in the world and he only had 12 guys at the end, actually 11 who really were following him. Oh, he had hundreds of others and thousands of others have since. But there were hundreds if not thousands who heard him preach and a great majority of them never bore fruit. And I'm telling you something, it wasn't Jesus' fault. It had nothing to do with the sower. And it had nothing to do with the seed. It had everything to do with the hearers. And my friends, I would not suggest for a moment that there isn't work that I have to do to be a better preacher. I don't suggest for a moment that you are hearing the most... The most wonderful messages you've ever heard in your life are the Word of God. I'd like to believe that, but it's not true. I know it's not true. But I know this the responsibility falls on you to hear. And Jesus wants you to know that. If you leave this place without anything today, it's because you didn't have ears to hear. If you leave this place and it doesn't bear fruit, it's because you didn't have the kind of ears to hear that Jesus talked about, that Jesus said was important. You get out of it what you put into it. And it is really intriguing because you think through in verses I, again, I keep coming back to verses 24 and 25. Listen to these words. Take what you hear, because the measure you meet, the measure you hear, it's going to be measured to you again. So get this. You only get, out of God's word, what you give in hearing. That's all you'll ever get. You won't get any more. You won't get any less. You will only get what you give in the matter of hearing. That's what Jesus said. And then look at what, what he he, uh, he continues on. and He says, He says, and unto you that hear, shall more be given. Okay, so look, if you have this kind of hearing attitude that says, yes, I'm going to take what is, is preached, and I'm going to listen to the word of God, and I'm going to allow it to change me, then God says, whoa, man, I'm going to give you more. But look at the warning here. For he that hath to him shall be given, and he that hath not from him shall be taken even that which he You know what God said? God said, if you don't do anything with it, you, you, you push it aside or you let other things come in the way, you'll lose it. Have you seen some Christians? I've seen them who were living the Christian life, living for God, serving God, growing in their faith, and then they, maybe the cares of this world, m- maybe the difficulty of living the Christian life, do those things sound familiar in the story of Jesus? Okay. Those things got in the way, the word of God stopped having its effect in their life, and you know what? Eventually they did something they never do. They get out of church, they stop reading their Bible, they stop serving God. In fact, they get back to the place where they were living just like they were before they were saved. You known Christians like that? Jesus said it happened when you stop hearing and bringing forth fruit. See, there's only one kind of hearer that really is blessed in this passage, only one. It's the one where the word of God is actually bringing something forth. Martha Berry was given a dime and she did something with it. Every week, I know when you come, Sunday school, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Sunday morning, you are given dimes of truth. The question is have they just been sitting in your pocket? Or have they brought forth? What's going on? Here, here's the truth. I, I've, I've observed times in my life, because every Christian struggles with this, I've observed times in my life where, where the things that I wanted and I loved were more important than what God's word says, And I said, nah, I don't like that. And when I say that, and the word doesn't bring forth, I lose. Look, look what's, happened, what's happened with the dime of truth you got from your devotions this past week? What would you do? Have any seeds been bought? Have you planted? Or has it just died? Anyone find that extremely convicting? Extremely. Because it, it really all comes down to me. It comes down to me. What am I going to do with what God has given? By God's grace, there need to be people in this room, actually every Christian in this room, who leaves this place saying, I want the word to bring forth fruit. God never condemned the person who brought forth 30 or 60 or 100. He condemned those who let Anything come in the way of the seed bringing forth. So what kind of soil do you have in your ears? That's the message Jesus taught. And that's the message we need today. Because the word is still being sown. And what you do with it determines whether you're going to get more, whether what you have is going to be taken away, and whether you please God or not. What's the soil like? What's happened in your life because of the word of God over this past week? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. We're going to have a hymn of invitation in just a moment after I pray. And although I know no one in this room, no one would like to admit it, the truth is, the truth is, everyone in this room has at some time probably been every one of the kinds of soil described in this passage. And maybe right now, the word just hasn't been bringing forth because something's in the way. You're hearing the change. And the message today is for you to do something about it and to get it right with God. And to begin letting the seed bring forth fruit. Will you make that decision? Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this, this illustration. It's no wonder you said, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. What an important message for us today. And I, I pray, I pray that you'd help me, Father, to have the kind of ears that hear and bring forth fruit. May I not let the cares of this life, the worries of life, the difficulties of living Christian life, or riches, or pleasures, or anything, become more important and choke out the word of God. And I pray the same for your people in Jesus name. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Would you do this if you're able, just right now, stand to your feet if you would. And as he begins to play a hymn of invitation on the piano, if you need to talk to the Lord, why don't you do it right now, just right where you're at. Why don't you just take a moment, get on your knees, or, or come forward and just talk to the Lord about it. Say, Lord God, I want my heart to be, my ears to be hearing your word, responding to it, doing what you'd have me to do. Dear God, help me to bring forth fruit. It's a decision I make. It's a decision I need to make. And if God has challenged you about that, do it right now. Just take some time. May we have hearts that are ready to hear and heed. He plays the second verse. If God's spoken to you, do business with him. Father, may we have ears to hear that we might experience the wonderful, powerful, life-changing effect of the word of God to bring forth fruit. And Lord, if we don't have ears to hear as we ought, may your spirit have the freedom to convict us and help us see what's wrong. And may we be a people who the word of God is bearing fruit in. And I'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Even that they have ears to hear, let them hear. The Lord bless you as you do. You're dismissed.